Welcome to The Walking OG, Tribal Rant's unofficial podcast for the popular, long-running series, The Walking Dead, on AMC. I'm Michelle. And I am Mike. And tonight, we're podcasting Season 6, Episode 12, Not Tomorrow Yet. And did you catch the title in this one, the Not Tomorrow Yet? No, did you? Yeah, I did. I didn't until the second watching, though, but it was because it was where uh, Carol was sitting outside with Tobias... As she was having like her midnight talk and they kissed and all that stuff. And she said, they're talking before she leaves the next day that this is this dangerous run that they're going on. And Carol tells him, yeah, but it's not tomorrow yet. He's ah, okay. So, kind of, wasn't there a song written about that? Like in the, what, 80s? I could write one right here while we're singing. <laughs> We've got tonight. Um, just to recap last week, the gang met the Hilltop Colony, headed by Gregory, offered to kill a group for that gang called Negan and the Saviors, who were abusing the Hilltop people for food and supplies, and we saw Glenn and Maggie's baby. Oh, not Sheldon. They got yep. a little picture of their baby. Yep, little, a little, little, little peanut baby. Yep, which was an extra special little treat. You said it looked like Glenn. Um, what'd you think about this episode? I liked it. This was... One of the most intense, I think, and gruesome and dark and yeah, I was I was nervous during the second part of it. The first part was really kind of boring. I thought, I mean, I know they were setting us up, but I just really, I mean, that, that I just didn't. I thought it was going to be a bust until they started, until um, they went to the uh, compound. How did you feel like it was? You didn't. You you don't care about any of the stuff then that's going off the relationships that are being built. No, all the interpersonal relationship stuff is just lost on me. If I want to watch something about interpersonal relationships, I'll I'll find a television show about See, interpersonal relationships. This is a television show about zombies. I don't okay. want to be too critical of them because I know you've got to develop characters so you'll care when somebody gets eaten alive by the walkers, but. If I, you know, I want, I want Rob Zombie. I want, I want Zombie. I want but see, I don't believe that about you. I don't because I know you a little bit. We've hung out for you know a little while now, and I don't believe that. I believe that you love the fact that you know what you know about these people, but you just don't like going through what you have to go through to know all that. You sit on the throne of lies. <laughs> Maybe I do. Um, this episode starts out, I thought it was, okay, the Carol development in this one kind of blew me away. The stuff that they were showing us about Carol, I was anything but, but bored with this. You knew she could bake. That's not it, though. Oh. But she's going through her so through the supplies, and she's looking for, like, arrowroot powder and beets, and she's looking at, like, odd canned stuff, like the like the last canned good stuff that you might find on the shelf, right, yeah. if everything else is gone. So we've heard that their food supply's running low, and she's looking a little bit worried. And then we flashed her in the woods. She's gathering acorns, and a zombie comes up, and when she kills this zombie and the blood splatters on her, she looks disgusted. Because she ruined her shirt. Right. But Carol's never cared about her shirt. This is Carol. This is tough. 
Carol who I went. I think she was annoyed. She was just out trying to get some acorns and bake cookies. And I don't think so. No? What, what was she disgusted well, at? Well, I think that she's disgusted with the whole killing thing. It's like we talked about before. Remember how Oh, Morgan's about, getting to her. Right. I think. Uh, remember how she killed the wolf as the wolf, and then she saw the wolf try to save, or save Denise as he was going down, and she had already killed him. I mean, she killed him, and... I think that kind of stuff is playing with her, as we see in this ep- in 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 this very scene where she leaves the cookie on Sam's grave. You know, she's the mother to everybody. And well, that's what the conversation she was having with is it Tobin Tobias. or Tobias? Well, yeah. Tobias is what I put down. But she's disgusted with killing Al. She didn't even want to have to kill this zombie, and I. She didn't like any of that, but when she's back at home and she's bathed and she's picking out nice, clean clothes, I think Carol's going back to who Carol was. You know, there for a long time, Carol was a wife and a mother, and she probably took, I mean, she had a bad life with her husband from the beginning, from what they showed us, but she she probably took great pride in cooking and keeping house and doing that kind of stuff, and then because of circumstances she was forced into being this different person and now i think it's kind of repulsive to her that person that's an interesting perspective that she becomes in chat well i, I mean you know thought about it that long well she is first of all she's brilliant we know for a fact because we eat gluten free here so we know that you can make cookies with nut flours because we've done it. So she is make, getting acorns, roasting them, presumably grinding the nuts, making a flour, and baking cookies for people. I mean, she's just like doing this extreme stuff to bring this uh, sense of familiarity and home, seems like, to people. Well, too, you know, they're low on food because... Well, sure, but everybody can eat nuts just as much as they can roast them and grind them and make a cookie out of them, you know? What if they got a nut allergy? Well, then they ain't going with them cookies anyway. But while all of this was going on, um, Weeds or Wildflowers by Poor Old Shine was the music. Now, in this episode, they play a lot of music normally. I mean, they play music normally, not a lot, I don't guess. But you don't hear a whole lot of lyrics in Walking Dead episodes, as I recall. I mean, I can't remember a lot of times that you hear them playing lyrics, but in uh, Weeds or Wildflowers, it's playing in the background, and it's really interesting because they're discussing what you're going to leave behind. Weeds or Wildflowers. It's, it's, you know, the, mm-hmm. the words of it and everything were kind of interesting. And uh, particularly considering everything I just said about Carol, about what she's becoming and what she wants to leave behind. and Well, look how thoughtful you are. I just want to start talking about it. <laughs> you just want to talk about the bloodbath? Yeah. Um, I just really see her softening. But she takes uh, cookies to, is it, it's Tobin. Tobin, not Tobias, right? I thought it was Tobin. Tobin, I think you're right. And he feels bad about taking cookies when the kids are hungry. Yeah, I called him, I've called him Tobias earlier too, but I think it's Tobin. And then he points out that they're pink, and she says that they're sweetened with beets. And you and I know that beets are very sweet. I mean, you know, there's... Yeah, I mean, but the beet sugar and, uh, sure. you know, beet 
beet is beet sugar is used to sweeten things. Sure. Well, you told me when we were fermenting, don't you know that it would make the the ferment a little sweet. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, beets are they're sweet. Where's Dwight Schrute when you need him? Where is Dwight? All kinds of questions. I know he would know all about he the beets. He would beat. know. He would. Yeah, he'd have a plan too to defeat these zombies. I promise. So Rick and all them come pulling back up in the community, and they tell Olivia that they want Olivia to come because Olivia is the one who monitors the the goods. She's like keeper, I guess, of the provisions and stuff like that. And they're gonna um, all go meet in the church in about an hour. We find out they got about enough food to last everybody for a month. And consider, and I mean, if there is, we they, we heard last time, fifty four people. That's a lot of food. 54 people for a month. Picture how much food we buy in this house for, you know, four or five people for a month. And then 54 people. That's a lot of food. Rick tells Carol she goes out. And he tells Carol that they're going to have to fight. And um, Carol looks really weird and sad. And they, you know, flash to the sky. And it's like a storm's coming. And Rick drives off. And Morgan comes up and asks Carol why she never told anybody about the wolf thing. They haven't spoken about it, evidently, since it happened. And I think Carol's thing is is that she'd have to kind of betray Denise, too, to tell on Morgan, because Denise went with him. Yeah, she'd have it. to implicate her in the cover-up. But I think it's more than that. I think Carol has really started taking some of Morgan's stuff to heart. Man, I hope not. I oh think my she God. has. Ugh. But he says that it's kind of like she did it, too, if she's not... And she said, no, it's not. Yeah, she doesn't like that. And she walks away. And as she walks away, this is where we see that she was standing in front of Sam's grave and, grave and she's left the cookies. Sam, of course, was Jesse's boy, Ron's brother, the one who freaked out with the zombie invasion that night that Carl got his eye shot out. And, and got eaten. And it was her fault. Remember, right. we talked about right. it because Carol's the one who put all these terrible notions in his head. And I think all that stuff's bubbling up in her, too, that she feels so guilty and bad about uh, that. Yeah, maybe. I don't I know. I mean, she left a cookie on his grave. They're starving to death. They have no provisions in there. And she left a cookie on this grave. She'll go back and get it later. I think she felt bad. Anyway, we have the intro and we come back. And Rick's telling everybody they're in the church and he's talking about how they can work with Hilltop and they can get food, eggs, butter, etc. But they're not just going to give it away. And he tells them about Negan and the Saviors and he goes into all that and what happened there with them and what... His group, Maggie specifically, but the group bargained and what they would do. And that they are going to essentially have to go kill him. That's what he tells them. They're going to have to do it. But he also goes into the fact, which I thought was a really good point, that they were going to come for them. They've already had one meetup with the Saviors, right? Right, yeah. And it's it's a great point. You right. You either fight them when we're well fed and, and not under any stress. And... and, and and you have the element of surprise because they know right. they don't know where these people are. They're not even on their radar because right. they wiped out the little group that intercepted Daryl and Sasha and uh, right. and Abraham. So they don't even know they exist. So being able to take them out right now is the best move. It's absolutely and, the best move. And all the favor they'll get with the Hilltop community for having done this for them. I mean, it's just a win-win-win. And I don't see how they really... We talk about them having a choice, but there's really no choice. Did you hear him, Did you hear Rick say... Do you remember when he said, everybody doesn't have to fight? Yeah. But you do have to, you know... Accept. Accept it mm-hmm. to stay here. I wish I was. I could have been the writer on this one. Okay, what would you say? Well, he's talking to Morgan. 
you know, Mr. Pacifist, I would have said, everybody doesn't have to fight. You can sit in the car, Morgan. <laughs> but I don't even think they're mad at Morgan. I don't even think they feel any animosity. Now, they don't know what happened, you know. But I think they feel like it's your right not to do that. But it's not your right to not be okay with it or to make other people feel bad. That's this a good is, way to put it, yeah. I think we have to have a conversation about how, how, you know, different people in this group, most of the people in this group have never killed another human that wasn't trying to kill them. This is a big deal to these people, even the hardened people like Glenn and them. They've never been the attackers, never. They've been the attackees and fought back and killed people, but they've never been the aggressors on anybody. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, you have um, in this arena now, in this in this new world, you have righteous aggression and non-righteous aggression. Non-righteous aggression being people like the Saviors and some of these others that they've encountered. Righteous aggression being what Rick and his right. group are trying to do. They're trying to eliminate these evil people who have, stolen and intimidated and coerced and and um well they were going to kill daryl and them too i mean let's be honest you know this was they don't know that that's what i'm saying these are these are just bad people and they need to be eliminated for the for the good of good people right but i mean i still think that that would make it a different dynamic don't you for these people for for all the people who've not ever been the aggressors who are going well, it's after just a somebody, step they haven't taken. I mean, it's just something that they've they they haven't had to face this yet. But now right. they, now they got to face it. But Morgan looks really distraught while they're having this conversation, and he stands up and makes their their plea that as long as there's life, there's uh, what do you say? <sighs> there's a chance, possibility, possibility, or yeah, yeah, something. I don't remember what he said. Yeah, then he, he says that uh, we should talk to them. Talk to them first and give them the opportunity. Sure, so yeah. eliminate the element of surprise completely. To yeah, put first. Well, put put yourself pacify on his, their radar. Eliminate the element of, of surprise pride. and watch them laugh and at you is, as they cut your heart out. And this is after. They've already made the deal with the Hilltop group and taken their food. So he's not even really thinking about the deal that's been made and the fact that he's eating food based on that deal. But it's got to be a group decision, so they tell everybody to say their piece. Rick asks what everybody else thinks after Morgan says something, and Ethan stands up and says that he won't let what happened there before happen again, and everybody else is silent. So that's pretty much the group mentality. Although I don't think anybody likes having to do it. I No, I don't think anybody enjoys it. But um, they're all down for it, except for Morgan is what right. it looks like. Even the priest. Yeah, yeah, even Father Gabriel. But, yeah, it's just like you said. Then Rick says they're, you know, they don't have to kill, but they have to accept it. She's going to sit in the car. Yeah, sit in the car. Then we see Carol in bed, and she can't sleep. And she pulls out a journal. And this is where... Didn't we figure out that this is like the number of people she's killed? She's I think that's like, what you said. She had she had keep kept track of how many live people she'd killed. Right. And the number got to eighteen. Right. Um, and she doesn't like this. She's unable to sleep. Then we go to Maggie and Glenn, and they're talking. And Maggie's saying that it was her deal, and so she has to come, but she'll stay on the perimeter. Which. I don't know if you and I feel the same way about that or not. How do you feel about Maggie going to I don't this? think Maggie should have went. I don't either. 
I don't either. I think it's ridiculous to take that kind of... I don't even of, think she should have sat in the car. I think she should have stayed back. I mean, if Tobin and, and Morgan can stay back, they can order the pregnant, newly pregnated woman to stay back. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we may get some flack for this. I don't know. I don't really know how people feel about that. You know, I know that in any other circumstance, I would want Maggie to do whatever Maggie wanted to do. Maggie's proven herself, and she's a warrior, Right. But in this instance, it would be like, it's the same thing to me in this situation, or it's not the same thing. It's a very similar thing. If she were running through there carrying a baby on her hip or in a sling, it's just an unnecessary risk with another life that puts you at a, maybe, at a disadvantage, right? Well, yeah, I think she feels obligated, though, because this was her deal. She made the deal. She did make the deal. But it was sanctioned. This was like... I understand, but she feels an obligation here. She's not just going because right. to go. She's, she, feel, she actually feels obligated to go. I, I believe she does. Well, then we see Tobin sitting outside when Carol goes for a midnight walk, smoke break, and he teases that smoking will kill her. And I ask if she has a cigarette. He's worried about tomorrow, but not because he's going, but because she's going. So you see a little bit of something going on there. And he says she does things that terrify him. And she asks him how he thinks she does those things. And he says she's a mom. And she says, well, I was a mom. And he says, no, you are a mom. He says she has strength and is a mom to most of the people there. And he goes into this big, long thing. That's a good observation. It's also a good observation about the protective instincts that mothers naturally have, too, I think. Uh, I did enjoy that little touchy-feely, you know, relationship-building exercise right right and i think that's kind of what she's trying to give to maggie at the end when she says to maggie you have to be somebody else because this is kind of what tobin said to her you know oh yeah that's that's right as the mother and now maggie's got to be the mother and i think she's maybe telling maggie at the end it's okay to be somebody else now because you are somebody else you're not just maggie you're mother maggie i don't know um, it's time to start acting like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you. it's different. And I thought that was a great point you just made about the ferociousness of a mother, a mother bear, a mother human, a mother, you know, raccoon, anything when you're when somebody's messing with their young. It's a different... Yeah, there's different ways to defend and protect your family. Sure. Than just, you know, all, you know with automatic weapons. Absolutely. Um, but she asks Tobin if she's a mom to him too, if that's how he feels about her. And he said, no, he feels something else. And then, and then they start smooching and she says, it's not tomorrow yet. And this is where we get the, the, title. the title of the show. So then we go to Abraham and good gosh almighty, how was that boring to you? Well, he's got, it wasn't boring. It was just, um, bad timing on Man. Abraham's part, if you ask me. And... Being cold-blooded, I mean, God. Yeah, what on God. earth? I mean, she hadn't even done anything. Yeah, I know, right? but I mean, she's demanding an answer, and she's understandably upset, and she's, you know, throwing the, you know, I want you to leave fit, but he didn't have to tell her what he told He didn't have to say that to her. I thought you were the only woman on earth, and you're not. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's, that is... That was rough. Yeah, that's that is rough. And they're just about they're getting ready too to go on a um, 
an operation together. A series of yeah. fighting, emotionally tugging. Where she might be walking behind him with a firearm. <laughs> I mean. um, well, she mistakes his leaving comment that he's packing up for they're going tomorrow. And she's like, well, yeah, but we can pack in the morning right. or whatever. She doesn't even know, but she she freaks out when she realizes what he meant. And then, you know, he said that, and he he leaves her just like really, I mean, it was like quick. This whole scene, this was like, you got to give it to Abraham. This was the quickest breakup I've ever seen in my life from somebody who lives with somebody else. Like, she walks in the room, he's packing, he's zipping the suitcase, says, you're not the last woman on earth, I'm out of here, and walks out the door. It was like a 30-second end of a how long a long time relationship and eugene's standing there poor old eugene i wonder how much they had to, that's the only scene he was in in the whole episode wasn't it so how much that he to, was also in the church scene he was sitting in the church i think he didn't have a speaking role right? no so how much do they have to i wonder how much I'd, I'd be interested to know how much they had to pay Eugene, for those lines, just in this one episode. Do you think that now they're paid by words or something? No, by how many words no, they say? But, but I'm certain that, you know, they gave him a, a little, little you know, two-line speaking part here. And, you know, you he's standing there with that fascination. stupid T-shirt, Virginia is for lovers. Well, that just makes it worse. I mean, it's I not, that's not a stupid T-shirt, but it's a it's a horribly ironic T-shirt, right? It's because they're in Virginia, right? By the way, Alexandria, I'm pretty sure, is in Virginia. I think I read, I think. There's a town. Called Alexand Alexandria, right, in Virginia. In Virginia. But I argued last time that I thought they were in Georgia, but I don't think they are. Mike from westcoastproject.com told me that in the, I think he said that in the comic books that they are actually in Alexandria, Virginia, that they are there. Alexandria, Virginia is actually uh, like borders Washington, D.C. Which makes makes a lot of sense because Eugene has that Virginia is for lovers shirt on, which would make even more sense. But it's just um, kind of ironic that he has on a lover shirt while this is breaking up and he tries to say something. And in his very awkward way, he doesn't know what to say, so he talks about the... What, the chewiness of the cookie yeah. or something? Yeah, his cookies are chewy. Yeah. Yeah, he tried, though, right? Uh, she slams yeah. the door on him. Well, he tried. Then Andy, the hilltop guy, is going over with Rick and Michonne and the group and everything about Negan and the Savior's Colony, right? He's going, they're drawing stuff up, and he's trying to tell them everything that he knows about his, his the His name's Nick? Andy. Andy. He... I was wondering about that at first. At first, I thought that he was kind of like helping him, help leading him into a trap. Did you really? Yeah, I, did, I didn't. I don't know. I just didn't trust him. I just, I just didn't trust him. I trusted him because they had their uh, their friend, wasn't it Craig, who they went to get. I'm sorry if that's wrong. That's what I remember. But they that was their hill hilltop friend, and he felt really distraught about having to leave him there before i thought they left two behind or they killed one and left. i think they ki they might have killed some or they I don't, I don't really remember i don't really remember that scene but um but anyway he's going over and telling them you know what he knows about the layout of their of their scene and andy says um 
Rick says they'll go in at night while they're asleep, but Andy says the guards don't sleep, and busting in will wake everyone. And this is where Rick says that they want Gregory's head, and they're going to give it to them, and they're going to let them walk right in. So you got to hand it to Rick, right? I mean, that's a pretty good plan, don't you think? I think it's a, that yeah. he came up with. I love the way they found it too. You know, they got them. They got the best matching head they could, and then they smashed its nose. So it would look like yeah, they did a great Gregory fought back and got his nose broken. Yep. So you couldn't identify him, you know, like perfectly. And it's dark and the head's not perfect. So that's, well, I mean, I'm sure anybody's head would look different unattached from their body, right? Uh, well, I've got like no plus, frame of reference. Plus, well, I'm just I'm guessing myself, but also the hilltop people it's not like they hung out with gregory or anything i'm sure they saw him i mean they did remember they came when they first got there they said but it's not like they had seen him but it's not like they they didn't live together or anything like that but anyway here we go into tara and denise and tara's telling denise that she loves her because denise asked if she was nervous about whatever you know about what they're doing the next day and denise says that she'll tell her she loves her back when she comes when back. She, gets she back. wants her to come back. Then we go to a commercial and we come back and Rick and all the fighters are on the road in the RV and I thought at first they were just like scoping out the area. I wasn't sure what they were doing but um, it turns out that this is where they were going on a Gregory looking zombie hunt and uh, Rick's having a conversation with Father Gabriel about how he doesn't want to, about how Father Gabriel doesn't want to turn back and he's thankful for what Rick and Carl taught him and all that kind of stuff. So Father Gabriel, we really see we really see a lot of these people really stepping up now and becoming the warriors that Rick and them became when necessity made them become that. Yeah, they're definitely progressing in their right. survival skills. And I think sure. that's a pretty cool thing for them to show us too. Rosita's talking about how she does. She goes to Carol and she's talking about how she doesn't trust Morgan and she argues over what happens and why they haven't told anybody. And here again, Carol defends Morgan because Morgan doesn't want to kill, but Rosita says none of them want to kill, but they have to kill. This is what they have to do. So Rosita is the voice of reason. Even in her distraughtness. I don't think, well, yeah. I, I, don't, I think she's kind of compartmentalized that, though, because she's out there on a mission. Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, I guess you'd have to. Yeah. And then we see Glenn and Heath uh, running through the woods, and they kill the zombie. And kill three of them. Yeah. They're trying to find... Uh, they give them haircuts and trim their beards. Find the one that will pass for Gregory. Heath asks Glenn if he's nervous about tonight and killing these people, and they go into this conversation again, not really again, but I think maybe for the first time, about having to kill you being the aggressors and having to go in and just kill people that are not actively assaulting you or whatever not zombies right and they go into this whole big thing about glenn asks if he's ever seen something that makes him not want to eat or sleep and he's got a feeling that killing somebody like this is going to be worse than that so yeah he's nervous about the whole thing and they take the zombie head back so Rick's talking to everybody about going in a couple hours before dawn when people are asleep and the guards are tired. And he has this really serious conversation with everybody about this is how we eat. So it's almost like, is the word mercenaries? Do you think they're almost like... No, mercenaries are... Well, I don't know. Yeah, that's a stretch, but those are those are paid soldiers. It's uh, all, all these... 
he's saying is it's this is how we survive. This is how we survive. This is about survival. It's not about yeah. They're getting uh, any, paid though. I mean, they got paid other than for it. Survivor. Um, but they're going to leave at midnight. Well, Carol gets Rick aside, and she's. What do you think that was? Her talking about Maggie. Do you think it was the whole mother thing? Do you think that's what that was? Yeah. Um, or is it just that she doesn't want to go kill people either? So she wants to stay outside with Maggie because I really couldn't figure out which one that was maybe a little both but i think that she genuinely cared about maggie's safety so oh absolutely I think that, that that would probably be the the number one reason but maybe you know if she's being honest with herself i guess based on what you outlined it could be the the same well they call rick over to discuss which of the Three zombie heads looks more like Gregory, and one looks like him, but the nose is wrong. And this is where Rick picks up the head and punches it many times, times. Yeah. in the nose and fixes it. And then old Nick, you know, he's like, Andy. bum, Andy. He says, wow. He says the saviors are scary, but they got nothing on you, Rick. <laughs> he walks off. That it, that was dark. Didn't you think there was something just really kind of dark about that? No. And the the funny thing is, is that Rick is going, what? Rick's saying what all the time. Now, have you noticed, like, he does something horrible, and he's like, what? What's your problem with this? I agree with him. Then we go to commercial, and this is a Fear the Walking Dead commercial. Um, Mike, to kill the monster, you have to become the monster. That's, that's what, what they I, told us. That's what I heard, yeah. Well, we're discussing whether we should become the monster when it comes back on. It wasn't our favorite podcast so at this point it's just a maybe on whether we're gonna do this or not if any of you care or would be interested in hearing a fear podcast from us it'd be great to get some feedback on that we're kind of waffling about it because there's yeah, i didn't things. really do a good job on that one and i know i know you're saying you're saying to yourself well you're not really doing a good job now <laughs> no they're saying it's, impossible it's, it's getting better impossible and, huh they're saying it's impossible for you not to do a good job. No, that's just to be that's honest. That's what they're saying. No, I was a little tired and during <laughs> some of those. and I'm a little tired now, but I I would I would do it if, if somebody wanted us to do it. If anybody's interested in it, it would really be good, a good thing to get some feedback on. You still have plenty of time to go back and catch up on Season 1 and uh, check out our... Fear the Walking prequel podcast here on TribalRant.com. And if you know if you have any comments like, yeah, don't bother, it's not a great show, don't we don't watch it, or love it, would oh, like yeah, to that hear would really insights, be good, yeah. anything, anything, you know, you can tweet us or email us or, you know, smoke signals, whatever you want to do. It wasn't my favorite. About that. I, yeah, I mean, I don't think it was anybody's favorite, but I try to give TV like this the benefit of the doubt, particularly when it's new, but... And I'm kind of, I mean, I'm going to watch it, but podcasting it and watching it is a different dynamic as far as the time and energy that we put into it. So We come back and a car pulls up to Negan and the Savior's compound, and it's Andy. And he's identifying himself with uh, floodlights and bullhorns and all this ruckus going on around him. He identifies himself and says that he's done it. I tell him to step out of the car. Still can't see him. Right, and he's got the zombie Gregory head, the zombie slash fake Gregory head in a bag. Yep, he's holding on to it, holding it out where they can see he's holding something. And they're horrible to him. 
right? I mean, they're just like mimicking and mocking, and they're just horrible to him. Because for all they know, Gregory's a friend of his. I mean, I don't think anybody's overly fond of Gregory at Hilltop Colony, right? No, these guys are mean. They're mean. They're mean people. Andy... They deserve a knife in the eye. Well, they get it. Andy uh, points out that he broke his hand, so he broke his nose, and that's why the... That's why it looks that way, yeah. The guard takes the head and he starts moving the mouth and talking for the fake zombie Gregory. He broke my nose. He's just, I mean, he's just, yeah, he's just horrible, horrible person. The other guard is whistling happy birthday when this one guard goes in to get, I think it's Craig, back, to bring him back. If it's Greg, you're going to feel really bad when you have to hear this. I know. Uh, I'm terrible with names anyway. I'm lucky I remember Daryl's name. Greg Craig. Craig Craig. I think it's Craig. I think. Um, But the guards just stand there whistling happy birthday for some reason when uh, Daryl comes up from behind him and slits his throat. I mean. Yeah, I'm glad. I didn't like that guy. (laughs) Well, the first guy comes back with their prisoner. As soon as he does, they stab him and they take off. And this whole operation... Could this have been better executed? They did uh, really good. Very, it was yeah. like, slit the guy's throat, get him out of the way, clear the area. So when the other guy comes out with their nothing, prisoner, yeah, no, yeah, nothing's no. out of place, nothing looks funny. It's totally stale, I am perfectly executed. a little curious why he didn't ask, hey, where's you know Beard Boy? Well, I mean, you know, he had just walked out with him. I mean, he could have, I don't know. I mean, just literally wasn't out there... Literally ten seconds. But he brought his, uh, he brought the prisoner out, turned him over, and of course he's gets a yep machete through the what chest, abdomen, through something. the abdomen, through the torso. And they go inside. And it's a real industrial looking place. There's a huge dish outside on top, maybe two dishes. Like you know, do you yeah. know what kind of building that was? You have some any kind ideas of broadcast thing, some kind of uh, uh, because it looked. Like a compound of some sort, right? Yeah, it was some some kind of some kind of uh, radio tra- or transmitting station or something. Well, they were talking about no, not even any windows or anything in the place at some point. I don't know; it's really weird. But um, they start clearing the rooms, you know, one by one, and I, you know, they're going in like clearing for other people to walk through, and they're just totally silent. I mean, these are. It's like a SWAT team operation that have worked together for years and years, as great as they're doing this, and going through there, and this whole time I've just got like this sick feeling in my stomach. You don't anticipate this ending very well. No, and they did encounter some people who were awake and and caught them. Well, Rick goes into the room first, and he goes up to the sleeping guy, and he kills him. It's very quiet. He pauses for just a moment, but he does. But even even Rick looks disgusted by the act of doing it. And then Glenn. Yeah, Glenn hesitated too long. Glenn and Heath are in that room. There's two people in the room. There's two, like, caught, like, twin little beds in there. And Glenn does. He hesitates for a long time. He does it, but then he starts to cry. And then he goes over to the next guy and kind of brushes Heath off. And Glenn does it himself. Yeah, and to keep Glenn or to keep Heath from doing it, for having to do it. Yeah, which was horrible. 
but it was kind, I think, of Glenn, but I really don't know what you're really saving him for at that moment. I don't know. But it was horrible dark scene, but then, as soon as they kill him, they flash to the Polaroids that are up on the wall. Yeah, what those guys reveled in. Right. Not only had they done this stuff, but they did it. They made Polaroid pictures of it and made a mural on their and wall. They saved of the it. pictures so that they could see them right where they slept. Right. Right. As they drift off to sleep, they can see the horrible things that they've done to people. And this is my point that I'm hoping that this does something to their resolve, that it tightens Glenn and Heath's resolve. Outside, we see Tara uh, talking to Father Gabriel and asking if he's still a priest. And this is where she goes on about um, how she told Denise that she loved her. Not because she specifically wanted to tell her at that point, but because Denise was asking her about going on this run and she didn't want to tell her she's done this kind of thing before. I think she was afraid of Denise's... Uh, judgment? Yeah, judgment, disdain, yeah. And so she told her she loved her, but, you know, Father Gabriel said, do you love her? And she says, she does love her, and Father Gabriel says, then you know what you're fighting for. So he just kind yeah. of... Well, that's not what he said, that's what Jesus said. Oh, was that Jesus mm -hmm. that said it? Oh, okay, I'm sorry, I missed, I missed that. I have Father Gabriel down, but real common sense conversation going on there with Tara to help her feel better about it. Well, Abraham and Sasha are trying to get into a room, but it's locked. And a guy comes out of his room from behind Abraham and really cuts Abraham's arm good, it looks like. It looked like he did, yeah. And then he pulls the fire alarm as he goes down. Man, Sasha, though, she's she's on the... She's sticking him. Mm-hmm. So when he pulls the fire alarm, we're outside and we hear the alarms and... Um, Carol and Maggie start to run in, but this is where Carol has that conversation with Maggie about how she has got to be somebody else, and she's got to say that she cannot do this kind of thing. They bicker about it just a little bit, Maggie. And then she insists right. that she stay. Right. We go to a commercial, and we come back, and Tara, Tara tells Andy that he needs to get the prisoners back to Hilltop so their deal is valid. The deal was they were going to get Craig back, kill this group, evidently, was like the total deal. And so Andy says, okay, okay, and he's out of there, right, with Craig, and he leaves. Uh, Paul Jesus doesn't go with him, though. He runs inside with him. He says nobody's going to see him. They don't want Paul Jesus there, because if Paul Jesus is there and he gets seen and they by anybody win. that's still alive... And right. they're, they're going to go to Hilltop and take retribution. Take retribution to Hilltop and also find out who these people were that came after them and go back into, you know they would, mm, right? Sure. So, but Paul Jesus says, yeah, that ain't going to happen. No worries. So inside, Ethan stabs someone saying that if it wasn't us, it was going to be you, you know, and Ethan is still doing this kind of, he's still making retribution, making uh playing catch-up. What's the word you want to say for what happened to them when the wolves came and demolished them, I think. He still really has a lot of that going on. But there's massive gunfire going on inside now. Doors are kicking open. It's just chaos. Outside, people are trying to flee, but they're being killed by Tara and the perimeter people out there. So what did you think about when Glenn and Heath got cornered in that room and it just happened to be the ammo room? That was perfect. That was good. That was, uh, of course. Now that ended. That ended. He's uh, uh, 
being able to say that he had never killed a live person before because when they opened up and shot through the door, you know, they killed a bunch of them out there. Don't you think it's different, though, to kill somebody as they sleep rather than kill somebody who's chasing you with a gun? He still has that innocence yeah, about him In this him situation, it was the same thing. It was just preemptive. I don't, I don't see any difference at all. Um, they open the door very slowly, and it's a bloodbath out there. That was really a bad scene that they yeah, shot they were, through the Well, they were at. shooting through the door at, at them first. They were shooting oh, sure, through the door. Oh, sure, sure, sure. So they just picked up and just opened up, mm-hmm. and those people just happened to be standing right there you know, where they had sure. been shooting from. Well, one of the guys raises his gun. He's not completely dead, and he shoots. Somebody shoots, and you don't know what's happened for a minute, and then we see that it was Paul Jesus yeah. that has killed the guy. Outside, Father Gabriel is advancing on someone with a weapon, telling him to drop it. And Father Gabriel's quoting the Bible, and the guy's sassing him and calling him Padre and saying Father Gabriel's just as dead as he is. And there's then blood coming. Yeah, there's blood coming. That was kind of ominous, didn't you think? But then Father Gabriel shoots him and says, Amen. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally came through. So... Then the gang is going outside. It's daylight now. It looks like the place has been cleared, and uh, they're quiet. They're still moving kind of stealthily, but they're outside. And Glenn asks Heath if he wants to take a couple days before he and Tara go out on the run and just relax. But he says no. They want to go, and they're all hugging, and they're going their separate ways. And, okay, then we go to Morgan. We're assuming he's back at Alexandria. He wasn't with them. You know, and he's welding something. I think he's making a cage or something. He's going to... Remember that guy, that the original stick guy had a cage? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're smart. What made you think of that? Well, I mean, I'm trying to do this better so that people will like me. Well, he, (laughs) he stops welding and he starts to cry. Morgan does. Yeah, don't get me started. He's really upset. Yeah, he's upset. So Rick walks up to Michonne and asks which one was Negan, and she asks, I think, which one was. She wonders which one was Negan, and about this time, the guy, a guy, comes out of the place. Now, look, okay, look, let's be real here. If you survived that massacre and it is a bloodbath inside there, and some of the people are already gone and they're all leaving. Would you pick that moment to come out on Daryl's bike? Mm, Wouldn't you just hide well, out Well, he doesn't know it's Daryl's bike, but your first point is absolutely right. You would just hide until they were all gone. I mean... And then you would leave quietly. Right. Yeah. But he comes out and he's on Daryl's bike. And while all of this is going on, we hear Hoosier's lyrics, and they're playing the words, too, to Arsonist's Lullaby. And that's a song about um, don't the um, some of the lyrics in it are don't you ever tame your demons but always keep them on a leash. So whoever's picking out this music, it's just brilliant. It's brilliant to put these lyrics into what's going on. Like so, you hear this stuff in the background. I think. Well, considering yeah that the songs weren't made for this show. No, and they were just picked to use during the show, and it and it fits up perfectly. Right. Yeah, somebody somebody did a lot of somebody research. Put, that's right. Well, over the inter- even more research than you. Well, much more. Yeah, they put it together. But over the intercom, we hear they they stop the guy on the bike. Daryl is unhappy. I mean, he's probably happy, kind of, because that's his bike. But he's yeah, unhappy. Daryl's pissed off. Um, <laughs> he got his motorcycle. But now they didn't take the motorcycle from Daryl. Remember, 
They took the motorcycle from the people who took it from Daryl. We uh, do we know that? Um, yeah, I think we do know that. Yeah. Or or do we? Were those people maybe part of the Savior group? We never knew who those people were. Remember, they were part they, of a compound. They may have been. That's a great point. Yeah, I don't know if we knew. But if that's true, then the I don't think they got the entire Negan group. I think maybe they just got a Negan outpost. I don't. I okay. They haven't probably gotten the whole Negan group because they've cast somebody for Negan, and we haven't even seen this person yet. So. They're not going to make a big deal over who they cast for this character, I wouldn't think, and then just show him getting, you know, blown up in one three-second scene in that place. No, I, I don't think they got Negan. I don't think we've seen him yet. Uh-uh. I don't think we've seen him, and I don't think we've seen... Or maybe the female is Negan. Mm-mm. No. no, it's a guy. They've cast him. You can look that up. It's, you know, its own... It's, it's everywhere. This isn't... I hope it's not a spoiler, because... It's um, a pretty well-known thing about the person that they cast. I can't remember who it is, unfortunately. But <clears throat> So they show us that on the next episode, the girl, well, over the intercom, while this is going on and they've stopped the guy on the motorcycle and everything, we hear that they have Carol and Maggie. That's a girl's voice on the intercom. And then on the next episode, we the girls are held captive, and it doesn't look good for them. It looks pretty rough. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, well, they always make it look like that. They'll get them back, but maybe I don't know. Maybe not Carol. It was a really intense episode. It was really intense, and a lot of people from the get go have wanted to see something between Carol and Daryl. So the fact that Carol is with Tobin, that kind of, you know. Unless she's Abraham-like, that kind of dashes the hopes of Carol and Daryl. They kind of flirted with them being a couple, it seemed like, for a little bit. I was never I was never that on board with that. It just never seemed like a great fit to me. No. It just wasn't anything that felt, I don't know. No, she's a much better fit with Tobin. But, um... Don't you think? Well, I don't really know Tobin, but I think it would be cool to get to know him and get to know her as the character she was before she became this character. So I I hope we haven't seen the end of Carol. Um, and that's pretty much what I got. Yeah, I don't for think that, I don't think they've gotten everybody. I, I don't. I think that was just maybe an outpost or. A, an outlying uh, one of one of Negan's. Yeah, and I mean it's going to be bad. And if that one guy was left in there that came out on a bike, maybe there's somebody else left in there that's going to. Well, I mean we know there's somebody because they've gotten Carol and. Well, the females. Right, and I mean who else? I don't know. Well, we hope you'll connect with us here at Tribal Rant and become part of our The Walking OG podcast. So, Mike, how do people get in touch with you if they want to tweet you questions or comments or tell you don't bother with fear? We don't want to hear it. How do they do that? Mike from TN. Right. He's at Mike from TN, and I'm at Michelle from TN. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash tribal rant. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn, so subscribe to us and keep in touch. Please like us and rate us if you like what we're doing. 
Ratings are the best way to help us get the word out about the podcast, and we love doing them, so give us a quick review, if you will. And, of course, all this information is on tribalrant.com, where you can email us or leave us a message. We always love to hear from you and get your feedback. A quick reminder that Mike and I also do a Survivor podcast. We usually get it out on Thursdays. We've been a little bit behind. We've uh, got an excuse of changing over all of our Internet and cable. And um, But if you like Survivor, check out that Survivor podcast. Uh, the tribe has spoken here on tribalrant.com. So if you don't have anything else, then we'll be back next week for episode 13. It's called The Same Boat. The Same Boat? Yep. Hmm. That's interesting. It's interesting. A lot of potential. We'll see you next time. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.